When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. To those of you who are season one listeners, welcome back. And to those of you who are new to my podcast, welcome to season two of the Pregnancy Wellness Podcast hosted by me, Pip. I'm a practicing midwife and enthusiast of all things women's wellness, especially when it comes to pregnancy and motherhood. Do you find yourself with lots of pregnancy questions unanswered? Do you feel that extra midwifery support would be useful to you? Do you fully understand how to enhance your pregnancy wellness? You are in good hands. This podcast is for you. Alongside this, I have also been busy creating a 12-month pregnancy journey support group and course to provide you with a whole package of expert wellness and pregnancy information to guide you every step of the way, leaving no stone unturned from trimester one right through to trimester four. And I'm now enrolling expectant mums in their first trimester. Spaces will be limited, so if you think this sounds like you, get in touch through my social media or at midwifepip.com. Over the upcoming 15 episodes, I'm excited to be chatting with expert guests and real women on this season to bring you honest, evidence-based information and top tips to navigating your pregnancy wellness journey. I hope these episodes leave you feeling positive and empowered. And don't forget, for more support and birth preparation, to check out my website, midwifepip.com, for your free birth preference plan download. I hope that you are sat comfortably and ready for the midwife chats and knowledge bombs to commence. Pregnancy and birth are momentous times in a woman's life during which your body undergoes huge physiological and psychological changes. A woman's body in pregnancy is devoted to growing, nurturing and birthing a new little human. This is the biggest challenge your body will ever undergo and the postpartum period whereby recovery is so key is often overlooked and neglected. And for many women, exercise forms part of their identity and hugely influences their overall wellness. The benefits of exercise for our physical and mental health are well understood 
And after giving birth, this is often more important than ever. However, it's also important we return to exercise in a safe and sensible way in the postpartum and to evict any unrealistic or unhealthy expectations. On this week's episode, I am delighted to be joined by the wonderful Amy Lane. Amy is the award-winning digital editor for Women's Health magazine, a qualified fitness expert and runner. But Amy's bio doesn't stop there. She's also an author. Her brilliant book, I Can Run, is linked in the episode description and is such an honest and motivating read that literally leaves you saying, I can run. Amy also hosts her weekly running podcast, Welfare, with the aim to make running inclusive and accessible to all to help get us all out there and moving. And I have to thank Amy, as Welfare has got me through many a training run over the last couple of years. More recently, Amy has also become a mum to her gorgeous little boy, Huxley. On Amy's Instagram account at wellness underscore ed, she has shared snippets from her postpartum journey and how her goals and approach to exercise has changed as she prioritises her body's recovery and navigates life in the motherhood club. So welcome, Amy, and thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me on and thanks to everyone who's downloaded this and is listening to it. Yeah, it's brilliant, isn't it? Just to start discussing kind of how it is in real life, because the media hasn't helped us as women over the years in setting up some of those kind of expectations of our postpartum body. But you have done an amazing job of keeping that real and sharing kind of your experience, I suppose. Thank you. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been quite an experience, I have to say. And I think I definitely wasn't ready for the fourth trimester. Like mm. I did, hadn't even heard that term until very late on in my pregnancy. And I saw it being banded about a little bit on um, social media. And I just, I still was not prepared for afterbirth. Like I was prepared to look after a baby. I had that in my head. I had my nappies ready. Um, you know, I had my station set up, my breastfeeding stations, but I really wasn't prepared to look after my own body and understand what, what it needed, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. It's mad, isn't it? We prepare so much for our baby and for birth and completely forget that we've got to recover from this like massive life-changing event. Now, Amy, what does kind of exercise mean to you and is it kind of always been a big part of your life because for anyone that follows you will know that you're an avid runner and obviously working for women's health you've always seemed to have led quite an active kind of lifestyle so I would say movement has always been part of my lifestyle and um, at school I gave it my very best on the rounders team and the netball team I was terrible um, <laughs> You know, at university, I joined I joined the netball club and one of my best friends, one of my now best friends was president of the netball club. And she never let me play one game because I was so bad. Um, <laughs> but I turned up for training every week and I went to the socials, of course. And so it's always been there um, in some form, but it's always changed over the years. So I suppose when I was younger, back kind of school and then university, as I've mentioned, it was there as like a hobby. Um, so, and it was there as a social kind of an element. And then in my early twenties, 
um, exercise became the kind of the mechanic for weight loss. So I exercise for aesthetics and I think a lot of people, a lot of people do. Um, it's normally your kind of gateway into getting into the gym going, I want to change something about myself. Um, and that took its own journey and, and it, it, it ran its course. And then I found running and I, and I started to really appreciate exercise for the joy that it can bring you rather than the punishment. And it just gave me a different appreciation of my body. Um, and it made me realize how I'd been using exercise as kind of punishment over the years or not even um, just punishment for my body, but just punishment for like the stresses of life. Uh, I don't know about you, but like whenever I had a really hard day, I'd go, I need to go do a really grueling workout. Like I need to punch out this stress. And the more I've learned over the years, um, obviously in my job, I, I read a lot of research and the more I've realized that actually you don't need more stress. You actually need something to, to balance out that stress. And so, yeah, exercise has evolved. It's always looked a bit different. There's been different reasons, but it's always, it's always been there. That's such a good point. I love that in that not using exercise as a form of punishment, actually using it to bring you, to bring you joy and doing what you truly enjoy. And that's such a good point, especially when it comes to kind of pregnancy and postpartum exercise. Because I can imagine, Amy, your, your goals for your exercise kind of pre-pregnancy, you were like marathon training and, and really like upping some miles and putting so much intensity into your workouts. So in the kind of postpartum period, and I guess pregnancy period, how did your kind of goals change and how did you view your body? Because you must have thought of it quite differently to that pre-pregnancy um, kind of mission that we were on. Yeah, and so actually I just left that whole part out, didn't I? Um, and so... That's all right. <laughs> can I still say baby brain? Am I allowed to say baby Absolutely, brain? Absolutely, yeah, baby months? brain lasts. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, and so, yeah, and so about, it was a year ago, I found out I was pregnant and I found out really early on, I'd gone into the hospital for a colonoscopy and I'd had to fill out forms and there's obviously the question on the form could you be pregnant and we'd been trying for a baby for about a year and I wrote down on the form like no I'm not pregnant but I mean there's a chance but I'm definitely not and there was all these words on the form and this person must have thought slightly odd anyway so the nurse <laughs> went away she came back and she went oh if there's a chance you could be pregnant we need to do a test and so um she we I, I did this test but anyone who's listening in who's had a colonoscopy will know that you you're not allowed liquids or solids um, and you actually have to do a bowel prep in the days before so peeing on this pregnancy stick was one of the hardest things I've done to date I was there I couldn't even get a couple of drips of urine and I was thinking oh, for god's sake anyway finally did it and I looked at this pregnancy test and um there was like there was kind of a bl two blue lines, but I was like, absolutely not. I'm not pregnant. So I handed it back to the nurse and she said, just give me one minute and then um, just sit back down. And I'm still in like the open gown here trying to keep it closed because I'm sat on these seats with everyone else. <laughs> and um, anyway, so then I went around the corner. They called me into a cubicle and there was actually like two doctors, three nurses. And I walked in. And um, they all just started clapping and they were like, oh my God, you're pregnant. And I was like, 
like is this some kind of weird tv show like what's going on am i being pranked um and so anyway it transpired that i was pregnant um but i was three i was about three and a half weeks from working out my dates and so like literally days pregnant and so i went home and i was terrified um for the first 12 weeks and i think because it had taken us this kind of year to get pregnant and then i found out at that point where obviously things could go wrong and you wouldn't even normally know you'd think mm -hmm. it was just a heavy period or something um i it set this like fear off inside of me so i still exercised in the first trimester um but i became terrified of doing anything too intense um which I, you know, I was used to, like you said, I was used to doing really intense exercise. And so I really dialed it back. And also I was exhausted in that first trimester. Um, I felt terrible. I was falling asleep at 7pm as soon as I got in from work. I was, I got addicted to um, egg mayonnaise sandwiches from Pret. And they're the only things that got me through the day. And that was the, I'd walk to Pret and back. And that was kind of um, the extent of my walking. Um, and so that first trimester, there wasn't really any goals. It was just like, get through um, and get through to that point where I saw that 12 week scan and I could go, everything's, everything's going to be fine. I don't need to be googling miscarriage rates at nine weeks and three days anymore um because I was in that headspace and so then after that I really started to enjoy it but the goals for exercise became how can I get through this pregnancy um feeling great and I'd seen people around me who'd not exercise through pregnancy and there'd been a lot of complaints about aches and pains um especially backache mm -hmm. and I started to do quite a lot of research and chat to some postnatal trainers and I found out that actually I could do quite a lot of movement in my week um, as long as I was doing it safely and exercises were adapted as I went along and so I picked back up my running um, and I had a strength program and I was still running at seven about seven months um, amazing I took my fitness tracker off actually and I stopped wearing my watch um, so that I was only running by feel. Um, so I literally ran at the pace that felt good. I went for as far as, you know, felt good. I did a lot of run walking. Um, and during that time, I was still lifting weights um, in our gym. I, when I say gym, it's our garage. Um, yeah, I can totally appreciate that at the moment. We have a, a garage gym. <laughs> carriage him and I you know in the week and then I towards the end I added in more yoga um and I was I was still moving up until in fact the day that Huxley was born well the day before I you know the day before I did a, a 5k walk around the fields and and so for me at the time like that exercise the goal for that exercise was to feel good but it was also to give me something else in my day um, that wasn't work because obviously we were all locked down. There was no socializing as well. So I ended up exercising as much for the mental benefits as the physical benefits. Oh yeah, definitely. And the mental benefits when it comes to phys physical activity are incredible. If anything, they could potentially outweigh the, yeah. the kind of physical benefits. And I love that you just seem to kind of exercise, Amy, quite intuitively. Like it sounds like your body was kind of leading the way and you were going along with however that felt. 
And the tip about taking your watch off is amazing because for anyone who is used to running, especially like you who's entered races and being used to kind of a schedule and kind of times to be looking at, you have to kind of accept, don't you, that your body is undergoing this massive adaption. Every single part of your body is changing to grow this little, little life. And you're not going to run in the way that you may have run beforehand. Your posture's changed. Your hormones are causing your ligaments and your muscular structure to adapt. And we've got to just be kind to ourselves and kind of cut a bit of slack, haven't we, I suppose? Yeah, and it's interesting that you actually mentioned about we we run in a different way. Um, I think in the I think in the beginning, like it it took me until about 20. I was looking at pictures yesterday. I think I got a proper bump around kind of 20 weeks. Um, before that, I thought I had a bump. I didn't. It just looked like it just looked like I'd eaten a little bit too much. Um, like and, it's Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, I've I do have quite an athletic frame, um, and whilst a lot of that does come from the exercise or slash training I've done over the years, um, a lot of it is genetics as well. Um, my my mum is in her sixties. My nan is in her late seventies. So they've both got visible abs um it's part, amazing part genetics <laughs> to have Amy we are all very envious <laughs> I know I am very lucky but it does mean that you know it's it, when when I was pregnant I didn't get I, I craved the lovely round bump that every that I kept seeing all, all these other women and at the time it just looked like that you know my my torso was just get, going out further and further but was still very flat and, and hard um Anyway, about 20 weeks, my body finally went, I can't cope with this. I'm going to, I'm going to burst a little bit. And I started to get the lovely round, um, the round bump. And it was at that point that I did realize that it was affecting my running. And I, and I did really, really slow down. Um, and I had to think about when I was running um, much more of my pelvic alignment because I started to be heavy on the front and I'd got these boobs. I've never had boobs before. And everything was there were there was my boobs bouncing on the front and then there was my bump and I suddenly realized I was quite stoopy when I was running um so I really had to kind of like take it back take it a lot slower but be a lot more mindful of of my form and just make sure that you know I was using my glutes to run and not just my quads um and thinking about picking my feet up um but but I did it and it was and it was it was different but it was brilliant yeah absolutely and that's where that strength training that you also were doing comes in doesn't it like getting that posture strong I always think about um birth as like a marathon so your like pregnancy journey is essentially your marathon training program and I don't know about you Amy but as a marathon runner myself as well I would never sign up to one and then sit on the sofa for nine months and pregnancy is kind of the same right we, we don't want to sign up to this amazing birth and then just sit back for nine months and not prepare our body for the demands of pregnancy and motherhood. I mean, you're figuring out now how things that are created for babies and, and, and mums are the most awkward to pick up. You're forever doing essentially like single leg deadlifts with a weight and, and bending over without even realising. Oh, I've got something at the moment, which is apparently called mommy, mommy wrist, um, American term. Um, but it's from scooping Huxley up the whole time. And where he is a very solid chap, we will say, um, he's, he's 
almost like stressed out the tendons in my wrist and I've got a, and I've got like wrist strain essentially um from, literally from scooping him up and picking him up the whole time <laughs> all the things that you didn't think would happen in the postpartum period I love it no. <laughs> so Amy how different has it been other than the wrist strain that we probably didn't prepare for at all and um, how different has it been kind of the postpartum and your kind of return to exercise has it been very different to what you imagined so it, it has, you know, because I left at this point where I was feeling brilliant. The day before I went into labour, I skipped into my midwife appointment. I was like, I feel amazing. And she was like, take it easy. And I was like, okay. And then obviously the next morning I got up and I did this 5k walk around the fields and it was, and I, I felt great. Although looking back on it, I was in early labour because I kept stopping and going, oh, I've got a niggle but let's just, let's just keep going anyway. And then I went into labor and I actually um, had a really traumatic birth and I ended up going under general anesthetic um, and Huxley ended up being in intensive care for a week. And I came out of that experience. It's, it's one of those experiences, which I will never forget. Um, but almost the whole experience feels quite hazy. Um, and so I came out of that experience and after about, I would say about six weeks, I was like, I'm ready to start moving again. Um, I was not before that point. I was dealing with my traumatic birth, but I was also exhausted. And I know people talk about new, new parent exhaustion, but I just wasn't ready for like how that, how hard it is. Like I thought there was exhaustion, but then new parent exhaustion just seems to be like, normal exhaustion times 100 and um, and so in my head when I'd in my head I thought I'm going to get to six weeks I'm going to get signed off at the doctor doctor and I'm going to skip back into my workout routines and all of these people that say they don't have enough time because they've got a newborn baby I was like I'm I'm going to break that mold I'm going to be fine like I know what I'm doing I've got all the kit at home um you know I'm going to show people it's possible well, in truth, I got to six weeks and actually I thought I was ready to move. And then when I tried to kind of find time in my week to do it, there just wasn't any. Um, and then I quickly realised that actually I didn't want to go back to exercise in my gym kit away from my baby. And I really, really enjoyed just going for walks. And actually, when you're walking um, to get them to sleep and to have naps, there is no more time in the day because they say do things when the baby naps. But if you're walking to get him to nap, then that time's already taken up. And so it was really at about 12 weeks, I would say about three months that I really got back into doing some movement. Um, and I'd started seeing a women's health specialist because I was having some pelvic floor dysfunction. Um, I'd had an episiotomy before going into GA and I did actually have a vaginal birth um, but had forceps. And so I was experiencing pelvic floor dysfunction and I hadn't really given it enough time and attention. Um, and so I saw a women's health physio who gave me exercises for that and then I've got a bit of a dodgy hip from being in stirrups and so I knew that I needed to get back to some form of exercise to deal with those issues and so I started 
doing as as much as I could um, on those sessions. And then I started running. Um, I started Couch to 5K when Huxley was about 16 weeks. And I've just been taking it easy. So I, I, I'm just very... I, I'm a very different me, I think, to what I thought I was going to be. I thought I was just going to be able to pick back up again where I left off. Um, and the reality is starting to starting to move again after you haven't done very much um, for, you know, three months is actually really hard. And you can't pick back up where you left off because you're not that person anymore. And your body's been through so so much change but also your your day has been through so much change and you don't have the luxury of doing things when you want to I mean I I set my alarm the other morning for 6 15 just so that I could get up and have a bit of time before Huxley got up and all I wanted to do was have a cup of tea that was hot and have 20 minutes on a yoga mat just doing my pelvic floor rehab um, and doing a few exercises um, also rehab work for my core and that's all I wanted to do and I was going to do it in my pajamas and it was the one day that he woke up at 605 <laughs> like he knew this, he knew <laughs> he, he knew this baby gets that I have to wake him up most days he's like a teenager <laughs> and this one day he got up at 605 and it was just like you know and you just have you just have to roll with it and so coming back postpartum has just been a massive massive eye-opening experience on how hard it is for mums both body mind and just time and also the guilt like the guilt of going you know I'm not go I'm gonna leave you here whilst I go and do something for me um is quite tough if they're awake I think especially when they're small your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah, that's such good points, Amy, and actually really, really good for um, women listening to hear that actually we need to keep it real and be kind to ourselves and not rush. I think sometimes as well, just because you can physically do something, it doesn't mean it's the right thing for you to do, especially like you say, when you've gone through pregnancy and birth in, in whatever means, your pelvic floor has taken a bit of a hammering. It's really stretched to accommodate all of those changes. And without really rehabilitating it properly, and the fact that you saw a women's health physio is amazing. I mean, massive shout out to all the women's health physios because they are worth their weight in gold. And we definitely don't utilize them as much as we should. I really, really wish on the NHS that it was part of like your standard post birth recovery but unfortunately it's not is is the reality usually and it's left the women to go and seek that service which is a massive change and I I, I pray that in years to come that really will be something that, that we improve for women but ensuring that your pelvic floor can tolerate you then going for longer walks or increasing that into a jog and doing kind of things like squats is really important otherwise you find that for, you might you might kind of trot along quite nicely for five six eight weeks but then later down the line, there's a problem that sets you back 12 months. And actually, you don't really achieve what you think you might be. 
so taking that step back and seeing professional people is so important isn't it I just I wasn't prepared for that I just uh, and I, I just wish that I, I knew more from the beginning because I was in hospital for a week and it was only on day four that I, you know, I raised that I was having issues um, with the midwives. And actually, I feel that a somebody probably should have asked me, mm. like, how's your pelvic floor function? Are, are you having X, Y and Z off a list of symptoms? And I didn't get asked that. And, and because I think if I had, I would have spoken up sooner. Um, and B, if I knew more about actually what I needed to be doing in those early weeks, then rather than getting further along the line and going, actually, things aren't right, I now need to have help, um, I could have started it earlier on. And, you know, there is still an embarrassment around pelvic floor dysfunction, however it affects so many women. And, and for me, I just I know that I don't want to live with it. Um, for the rest of my life like I know that I want to go back to an active lifestyle which I'm doing at the moment um, and so yeah like you said I just wish that there was more um, help available or at least you knew what to look out for and then how to talk about those symptoms properly to then get the help that you need. Yeah you're so right because pelvic floor symptoms or symptoms of a dysfunctional pelvic floor, we should probably say, because they are so common, we've almost normalised it when it absolutely isn't normal. So to anyone who is experiencing any pelvic pain, pain with intercourse, any leaking when you cough, sneeze, laugh, an urge to go to the toilet, so you need to go and you need to go now, else you're going to have an accident, anything like that, it's really important that you do um, speak to your GP and get referred to a women's health or a pelvic health physio because there's loads that can be done and you absolutely don't need to, to live with those symptoms. But like you say, it's so common and we see the tenor lady adverts and think, oh, well, it's normal, we just put a pad on, but it's not. <laughs> yeah, and so for me, that's what I was then working on so that I, I had the right, like, foundations within my body so that actually I can then pick up the pace and I can move more and you know further down the line I have this vision of me um doing buggy running and I'd, I'd love to do that I moved out of London last year to enjoy the countryside and whilst I'm on maternity maternity this year I'd love to be able to take Huxley out and get in those fields but I know that that is still a long way off <laughs> but it will happen it totally will, will happen, happen. <laughs> and that'll be a beautiful moment how did you know, Amy, when you were when you felt ready to start kind of doing some exercise, even the kind of really gentle um, exercise with Huxley with you? How did you know that it was the kind of right time for you? So I think I'd got a good night's sleep. Um, Always good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd got a good night's sleep, and we'd found um, a rhythm with breastfeeding. Um, so that's another thing I wasn't prepared for is the 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 kind of the 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 pressure that comes from breastfeeding in the fact that it's it's such a beautiful thing to be doing. However, you do have to make sure that you know your day fits around your feed. So you can't go out and do exercise before you feed, really, because your boobs are so big, and in the beginning you're leaking, and it's just uncomfortable. Um, and so you know you've got to knock out that kind of ninety minutes, say, before your before you're feeding, and then you're feeding, and then you've probably got ninety a ninety minute window. Um, 
before you need to start feeding again. And actually in those 90 minutes, you normally want to have a shower, eat some food, go to the toilet um, without having a baby on a changing mat in front of you. Um, and so actually there is quite a lot of, um, I don't want to say the word pressure, but it, it, breastfeeding does take up a lot of your day. And I just think you have to be really realistic with that. And so in the early days when, when a the baby's not feeding every three or four hours it's I just think it's quite tough um and so once he'd been going a little bit longer with his feeds and he'd also been sleeping I was suddenly like I feel a bit more human and I feel like I can expend my energy in a workout um before that like I've mentioned the exhaustion was just too much and so I decided that I'd just get up and I'd just try doing a few exercises um, in the morning. And it's, I think that the the kind of the postnatal exercise space is really, really coming on. But I think it's still a really underserviced space for, for women, unless you know where to look. Um, I'm fortunate that through through my career, I, I do know of the experts to go to. And I had been saving um Instagram so for instance I follow um bumps and burpees and I I love a lot of their their posts and I'd been following a women's physio called Emma Brockwell and she'd done a return to running IG series and so I'd um collectioned that before having Huxley and there was some body weight exercises on there so I'd started off just doing them on a mat but I know for a lot of women you you wouldn't know where to go um and so actually knowing when to start and knowing what to start with can be really tough. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree, Amy. And actually both those uh, amazing women that you spoke about, so both Charlie from Bumps to Burpees and also Emma Brockwell are both on the podcast. Um, so they both share some of their tips as well. So hopefully women will have a really well-rounded idea about what it's really like from you. And then also some of the tips and tricks to kind of getting started which hopefully will be really helpful, most definitely. Now, and the other thing, oh, yeah, sorry, say, carry um, on, no, carry on. So then the other thing I did was I laid out a mat in the living room and rather than saying, I'm going to do my workout at 10 and I'm going to do 20 minutes, I quickly realised in that first week that that wasn't possible. Um, and so I just had the mat um, laid out all the time and I got up and I put on my gym kit. Um, and then those body weight exercises, I just fit in when I could around the day and that just took the pressure off. So most days, um, and when I say most days, I mean, this happened like twice a week. So don't think that I suddenly started a five day a week exercise program because <laughs> I didn't. And if anyone can do that listening in, then I applaud you. Um, please tell me how you did it. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I didn't. I, di I was doing a couple of days a week and I just did it when I could. And often that might be uh, 15 minutes when Huxley was awake and then it might be 10 minutes in the evening whilst my husband and I was watching something on the telly. Yeah, that's um, a really that good way of, of kind of fitting it in because actually, like, like you say, blocking off kind of half an hour or 45 minutes is really difficult to manage. Whereas if you have got kind of literally five minutes here and there and also when you are breastfeeding, Amy, did you find that quite often you were in positions that were causing you to get a bit of neck pain, a bit of shoulder pain because you were quite often hunched over feeding? So having that moment just to go and do some squats or move your body in a different way can kind of help with some of those like aches and pains as well, can't it? 
Oh, 100%. And I'd made the mistake of not getting myself a feeding chair in the beginning. I'd just thought, do you know what? I'll just feed in bed. And actually feeding in bed when you're feeding that much mm. is actually quite uncomfortable, even if you prop yourself up with loads and loads of pillows. Um, and so one morning I woke up and I hadn't had very much sleep and Huxley had fed probably about every two hours in the night and was feeding for an hour each time and so I really hadn't had much sleep and so I'd spent most of the night kind of propped up and trying to get comfortable in these pillows and I just said to my husband I was like I need a feeding chair and I need one today um and so I just went onto Facebook marketplace and and we bought one and that made such a difference to my kind of overall aches and pains um, because I was sitting properly. Um, but also I do wish that I had been doing some upper body stretches from the beginning, just, just simply like five minutes of mobility whilst watching telly or something. Um, because like you said, it does get really, does get really sore. And especially as they get heavy, like Huxley now is over a stone and it's like, I've got that on my arms, like, probably for four hours a day feeding um and you know that that's a lot of weight I wouldn't that's hold a weight in itself yeah I wouldn't hold a weight in a gym for four hours you know just casually casually cuddling it um but yeah I do my baby so yeah that's such a good point isn't it and that's why kind of um preparing your body for these kind of normal motherhood things that you have to do that we don't necessarily consider formal exercise but they're absolutely a demand on your body is really, really important. Well, that's why when people were saying to me when I was, you know, I was 30 weeks pregnant and they kept going, you be careful with that kettlebell and should you be lifting weights? And, you know, my, my mother questioned it a couple of times and I, you know, I was like, but yet the weights, which I'm, the weights, which I'm currently carrying in, in my hands, like by the end, I'd really lowered my weights, but like at the time my weights were kind of equal to the weight of a car seat or equal to the weight of shopping bags which whilst pregnant I was still carrying back from the supermarket and that type of thing so I think that we need to realize that actually a lot of the time if you exercise right it's not for just getting strong in the gym it's for getting strong for life and actually how how that does help you through your your every day and helps you move better helps you stop getting injured um and like I've said, lifting a stone baby. <laughs> yeah, I'm so pleased you said that, Amy. I'm so passionate about us trying to prepare prepare for all these things. So it's brilliant to hear how you've done it in, in real life. Now, Amy, I just wonder, what are some of the things that you wish someone had told you about kind of returning to exercise in the postpartum? If you'd known these things, it would have made it a bit easier, perhaps. So I wish that somebody had sat me down and explained the reasons why um, strengthening your pelvic floor is so crucial to going back to, to exercising. Um, it shouldn't be a, eh, I might do it. It needs to be a, if you want to move and you want to move well and enjoy it, you need, you need this internal strength. I wish somebody had told me that. Um, I wish somebody had told me that actually the six week checkup isn't really your past to go and exercising um our gps do a brilliant job 
but that six-week checkup there is a lot that goes on in it and actually it's not really a deep dive into whether you're ready to exercise or not it's them saying there is nothing alarming here to say that you shouldn't but actually I don't think they actually do know deep down whether you are Mm -hmm. um and actually then knowing what is the right exercise to go back into so even even myself with I've done quite a lot of research and I have quite a good grasp of um exercise and what we should be doing when but still I was surprised to discover that actually we shouldn't be running until 12 weeks and even at 12 weeks it's a are you ready to run it's not a you're now three months postpartum you can go out and run as far as you want and you should be doing like a progressive program and I think that if someone had just told me those those things I would have had a better awareness of actually how much recovery we need to do after pregnancy and how actually just because you've birthed the baby it doesn't mean that the changes in your body have stopped and actually we need to have this awareness that it might take you a year to be back in the same place as you were before pregnancy that's not saying with the same body at all because it's never going to be the same you've had your child it's amazing um but it could take that long for everything really to heal recover for you to get over your sleep debt um all of these things that's such a good point isn't it because you grow a baby over nine months give or take we can't expect to suddenly be completely transformed and back to that that pre-pregnancy state whatever that is in like six weeks (laughs) it's just not gonna happen you know it's just not gonna happen we need to give our bodies that that proper time to recover well and I just think that there's there is this pressure on women to I think try and go back to their old lives but those lives don't exist anymore so actually be really realistic with how much time you've got how much energy you've got and how much you want to do and if if for you you've you know you've only got half an hour a week it's like well actually think about where that's best spent if you've got if you've got a sore part of your body like how can you work on the strength for that um you don't have to be doing what everyone else is doing you just need to really dial down into what's going to give you the most benefit and what's going to make you feel healthiest I think yeah definitely getting rid of that source of comparison which is definitely Mm. difficult to do I think we've all fallen guilty into that trap before um but it is really important that you're on your own journey and it doesn't matter what you know your next door neighbor or your best friend or that person on Instagram's doing this is your journey and it's going to be unique yeah and everyone's baby's unique as well so everyone is having a completely different ride and so actually everyone else's lifestyles you know you're they need to be individual because actually we're all we're all experiencing something completely individual yeah absolutely absolutely so what would be your three top tips amy everyone that comes on i always ask for three top tips and i'm afraid you haven't escaped so would you (laughs) share your three top tips to a new mum who is navigating their postpartum kind of recovery journey Okay, so I think number one would be don't overlook the benefits of naplaps, I like to call them. Um, so walking, walking with your baby either in the sling or in the pram, um, you quickly clock up a lot of mileage without realising. I remember looking at my phone and um, in the Apple Health 
section and looking at my step count and realizing that I'd actually be doing 5k a day of just out with the pram um so you might feel like you're not moving very much but actually in reality you probably are so have a look at that and celebrate what you are doing rather than focusing on what you're not doing I think secondly I would um don't underestimate the benefits of sleep so if you are really really exhausted focus on getting more rest um before picking up the pace um and thirdly I would say what would be my third one um follow follow some pelvic floor accounts to um understand really why we all need to be strengthening our pelvic floor so there's a brilliant account run by um some friends of mine called Yumi Health um Umi Health um and they give they give loads of free advice on why we should be doing it because actually you want to feel confident in your movement and I think that if you don't work on your pelvic floor you might that might not happen so so get that sorted and get that strong and get your core strong again and then when you're moving well you can move more yeah that's brilliant I love that and I love that we have spoken about pelvic floor today Amy because it is just so important so that's definitely a take-home message for for anyone listening oh I've got a fourth and oh, this is what I should oh, have yeah, said go for it. yeah it's okay we can be a flexible three it's fine okay so I'm going to give you four um don't sign up to a 45 minute workout. You will never make it to the end of a 45 minute workout because I found that babies only sleep for about 43 minutes max. Um, and why 45 or an hour long postpartum workouts exist, I'm not too sure because I found that a newborn sleep cycle is not that long. Um, so sign up for something like 20 minutes, definitely in the beginning or 30 minutes so you can do it, enjoy it. You're not worrying about is the baby going to wake up or having to, you know, like give the death stare to a monitor because you're like, please don't. Um, so you can actually enjoy that time and, and again, take the pressure off. So look for something which is about 20 minutes and you've got more chance of making it through and finishing it. That is a great one. I totally agree. 20 minutes is so much more realistic, isn't it? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> than trying to squeeze an hour in. Oh, Amy, thank you so much for coming on to join us and just sharing your real honest experience, because I think that is one of the most valuable thing we can do to support women as women is just keeping it real and honest. So I'm really, really grateful for your time and for chatting with us today. Honestly, it's absolute pleasure to come on and to chat to you and thank you to everyone who's listened in um i really hope that you are enjoying your postpartum journey and enjoy those newborn cuddles i'm only it's only four and a half months ago since huxley was born and that already feels like forever ago and i'm i miss the skin to skin so if you're having that right now really enjoy it absolutely enjoy it and do your pelvic floor but don't worry about going for runs <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah join me in a few months <laughs> yeah oh thank you amy have a great afternoon thank you bye thank you so much for listening to this week's episode i really hope you enjoyed it if you found it helpful then please hit subscribe and leave a review it really does make a huge difference to the number of women we can reach out to and empower for daily free information inspiration or details on our bespoke antenatal education courses, head over to my social medias at midwife underscore pip 
and my website, midwifepip.com. I would love to hear from expectant mums who have found this episode useful and wish to embrace further support on their wellness journey. Pop your details in the Your Pregnancy Journey tab on my website and I will be back in touch. Thank you and see you next time. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.